Nick Grok with the Denver Post. I'm here with Nikki Javala, also of the Denver Post. You're listening to the First in Orange podcast, the Denver Post NFL Pro Football podcast. Nikki, uh, the NFL season is about to begin. It very coincidentally begins with the Denver Broncos playing the Carolina Panthers in Denver um, on Thursday night, national television. Do you think for, and season opening games sometimes can get kind of messy? Teams aren't at, as they say, mid-season form. Um, could this, will this game be fun? I think it will definitely be fun. And I think every game last season was messy for the Broncos, starting with week one. Like, if you go back to that Ravens game where it ended on, you know, the game-saving interception, I mean, that, that just set the benchmark for the rest of the season. And I think we can – Kind of expect more of the same this year. I mean, it's the same offense. That defense is still killer, but you just don't know what to expect really with that offense. So I think Messi is fun. Messi just hurts us when we're on deadline, but Messi is great otherwise. Two key players I want to ask you about. Uh, one of them is, as far as NFL players go, as far as NFL quarterbacks go, is a total nobody nationally. I mean, as far as name recognition, they call it a Q score or whatever. Uh, Trevor Simeon mm-hmm. has not thrown an NFL pass. Correct. Preseason does not count. Correct. Uh, what do you reasonably expect from Trevor Simeon in the first month of the season? First month? Um, I expect him to show more of what he did in the preseason. I mean, the time was limited, but... Um, he did show some of what he can do. He's got a strong arm. He's not afraid to make those throws, um, but he's also smart with it. I think they may try to keep it a bit conservative to start. I mean, they they stress ball security and for good reason. I mean, um, the Broncos had trouble with turnovers from the get-go last season with Peyton Manning dealing with the injury. He just wasn't the same guy. So that's one thing they're going to want to limit. And I think they're going to want to get the ground game going too. So I could, you could see a lot of handoffs. But, you know, Trevor is a guy that's not afraid to make the long pass. Uh, I thought that that throw to Cody Latimer that ended up being picked off to by St. Louis uh, – Los Angeles now um, – I thought that was that was a, a a risky throw, but a good throw, and I, I thought he made a, a good decision there, frankly. So, um, to me, that that gave me confidence seeing that in a quarterback. He's young, but he's not afraid to make those big plays. So. Which is a thing that I think everybody was sort of keen on, kind of look, kind of looking for clues with him in the preseason because risky risky is okay, stupid is not okay. Exactly. Um, but a reasoned risk or a, or a, a confident risk is good. You don't see that a lot from, he's not a rookie, but it's, you know, from a beginner quarterback. Right. Um, that was, those, those were good clues yeah. in the preseason. One thing um, we didn't see from him too much, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, we didn't see him get completely steamrolled by right. a defensive line. Right. Um, and that will happen mm-hmm. this season. Mm-hmm. Things definitely heat up in the regular season. It's not, I mean, comparing preseason and regular season, you can take some things, but it, it's a whole new game. It speeds up. Um, it's a lot more intense, and you're facing, you know, the stars. You're facing the number one units against every team. And, you know, being the reigning Super Bowl champions, people are gunning for you. So there's a lot going on here for Trevor, but 
I don't think he got here by accident. And that's something Gary Kubiak and John Elway stress. I mean, these are two of the top quarterback minds in the game, um, you know, as former players and now manager types. So, um, you know, they they liked him since 2014 when he tried out for him on a bum leg. So yeah. I think that says a lot about what they see in this kid. You've, you've talked to him a bunch, Trevor Simeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've talked to a lot of people who know him mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that we, you know, that you see from him on camera a lot is very cliche and very dry, very boring. He does this on purpose. I think I think it's like kind of a. I think that's just who he is, and I think people mistake you know calm as boring or timid, and that's not the case at all. The guy's extremely confident. I don't think he would be here if he weren't. Um, and for the players, they like calm. They need somebody who's going to keep them even keeled and kind of steer the ship. You don't want a quarterback that's you know all over the place. It's different from being you know kind of the rah rah type, but you want somebody who's calm out there, who's not you know, panicking, and that's that's what they say Trevor is. That's what Kubiak and Elway liked about him from the get-go. Um, and from all the people I've talked to about him who have worked with him from Northwestern on up, um, they all say the same things. That's just who he is. You know, he's just not a rowdy guy, but that doesn't mean he's, you know, not in the moment. It doesn't mean he's not a, a super competitor. I think it's quite the opposite, actually. Let me give you a hypothetical scenario. Go for it. Um, God, thanks. Uh, the the in the middle of a game, game X, whatever it is, uh, the Broncos are a little bit the screws are a little bit loose. Maybe they're winning, maybe they're losing, whatever. Uh, the the offense comes to a huddle. Mm-hmm. Players are screwing off a little bit. Not screwing off. They're professionals, but their attentions are a little bit wayward. Uh, who brings them back into the moment is. Who snaps? Who snaps the huddle back to attention? Trevor Simeon, Emmanuel Sanders. I wouldn't say Demarius Thomas. Uh, he's he's sort of a more quiet player, but it's been around though. Um, is it C.J. Anderson? Who who has a loud voice? Because last year that was yeah. most certainly Peyton Manning. Well, I think that's what we're going to find out this year. Is I think they're they all have these very different leadership qualities. Like I would say Emmanuel is a much more vocal leader than Demarius. Um, C.J. too. Uh, but we're going to see. There, there's a lot going on with this offense, many different personalities, and you're kind of going to see who that leader is, and be it by example or just vocally. Um, so that's one of the things I'm watching for. It's, it's, it's kind of like a brand-new group, honestly. I mean, new quarterbacks, new tight ends, really, aside from Virgil Green. Hireman's kind of – if he gets out there – um, he is new because he didn't play at all. I mean, behind CJ's new back, so it, it's a new bunch. Yeah, right. Yeah, if the defense is largely the same, the offense is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, weirdly, though, and I, I don't know where this comes from nationally except just a place of unfamiliarity um, because they don't know who Trevor Simeon is. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't, they don't know about the Denver offensive line, whatever it is. But there's not a lot of respect for the for the Broncos' chances this year. I hate talking about respect because it's so it's so it's very forced. But what what I'm getting at is um, the the over under mm-hmm. for the Broncos this year in total victories. Uh, it started off in, in Vegas. Started off at eight and a half. It's now nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so t, so I, you know that indicates that people thought that eight and a half was too low and they bet high, so they moved the line up to nine. Whatever. 
where do you fall? Um, because sometimes we, because we're at, you know, at Dove Valley every day, we get a little bit too close. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that closeness can maybe, can maybe um, yield a different, a different perspective. But mm-hmm. what would you, what, let me put you on the spot. Where, where do you fall on the over under at nine and a half? We had to don't fake it. We had to turn in predictions. Our editors asked for a prediction, I and I know. What did you say? What did I say? I think I said eleven and five. I'll be honest. Cameron, Cameron said ten and ten and six. I said twelve and four. Oh, hey there, Mr. Glassapple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely the higher end. Um, I mean, I, I think they're no doubt gonna have struggles. I mean, to to expect Trevor Simeon to go in and be perfect is just ridiculous. Out of a out of a really a rookie quarterback. I mean, one kneel down does not count in my book. Um, but I think he may also surprise in what he can do. I think the issue everybody has going in is, you know, you go from four years with Peyton Manning. I mean, that's four years of certainty. You know what he is. Last year, however, I, that wasn't the Peyton Manning everybody's been used to. And I, I think a lot of people conveniently forget um, just how bad it got at some points. Um, so I, I honestly believe this offense can be better, but I think it will be different, and I don't think it will all come from Trevor Simeon. Mm-hmm. I have high expectations for the running game, which is why I think they're going to be much more efficient. I think they'll be able to score more. Um, to me, it's going to come down to, to ball security. Like, can they not turn the ball over as much? Because that's what killed them a lot during the stretch. So, I mean, I, I still think they'll be good. I think they have a chance to improve, but they're just such an unknown that to even make a prediction on that group is absolutely ridiculous at this point because you, you haven't seen anything. Yeah. I mean, you haven't seen any of their quarterbacks play. So, I mean, Austin Davis doesn't count right now. Yeah. Their quarterbacks have never played in the NFL, so you don't know what this is going to be yet. Yeah, um, but we're in the business of making wild and yes, unfounded so, so predictions. So let's the madness. <laughs> the, uh, but, yeah, no, we'll, we'll leave that to the calmness of the world. Um, how what, yeah, yeah. He, he said eight and eight. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a key stat this year, Nikki, uh, if their average time of possession goes up offensively, mm-hmm. I think that spells very good things. Because it means that Denver defense is not being leaned on so heavily, they could use a break. I mean, I know they had all off off season, but even then they were they got called on so much last season. Yeah. Um, they could they could use some relief mm-hmm. um, for this first game. Who's the best player on the field? Cam Newton. Do you think so? I think it's a tough call. Yeah, I mean, I think from sheer athleticism, he's just a freak of nature. And I think, I mean, I think Super Bowl 50 is, he said it. He said he took it very personally, and I expect him to come out just trying to get revenge. And, I mean, there's no way around it. He is arguably the best quarterback in the game right now because of all his weapons. Brandon Marshall said this, you know, his, his ability to run, his strong arm. He's a smart quarterback, too, so he can beat you in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would say Von Miller's, you know, right up there with him, but I think the damage Cam Newton alone can inflict is pretty significant. And then you add on 
um, the lingering effects of Super Bowl 50. I think he's going to come gunning for us. Yeah, no, the advantage that Cam Newton has as being one of the two potential best players on the field is that he, he has his hands on the football for half of the plays in a football game. Right. He necessarily has an outsized influence on the outcome of the game. Right. Um, Von Miller does not. He's react. His job is to react. He did in Super Bowl 50, but I, I think it's going to be a little bit different this time. I really do. Um, that defense is still intact, but I think Von, I think uh, Cam Newton is. Uh, I would expect the best out of Cam Newton in this in this game for sure. Yeah, he has he he has some stuff left to prove, which is weird for the MVP. Mm -hmm. right. um, it's a difficult first three weeks for the Broncos. They open they open against the Panthers in Denver. They host the Colts in week two, mm -hmm. and Andrew Luck travel to Cincinnati to face the Bengals in week three. Um, if they survive with two victories at least, I think they're in good position. Um, can they, do they have that in, have that in them? Uh, can I ask you for, not, not for a prediction, but because you so hate them. <laughs> for what a prediction but for not a prediction but how do they set up for the first three weeks I mean it's it's the yeah. it's a weird part of the season when teams are not completely solidified in what right. they can do and what they will do um, but they'll need to be right I mean the first two weeks are going to be brutal you have home field advantage but you're going Cam Newton Andrew Luck oof that's tough that's really tough um, but I think it'll It'll say a, bit, a lot about where this team is, especially offensively. Um, I think the tougher thing is the late bye week. That's yeah. I mean, you go a really long stretch before finally getting a break. I, that's gonna hurt. But um, you know, we'll see. They're just to me, they're just so unknown right now. I'm curious to see where they at, where they're at and where they stack up against some of the best. And you know, they're. You can't get much better than Cam Newton and Andrew Luck. So. We are in the vestibule at Dove Valley. The, yeah. oh, the, We're basically the a entrance. closet. <laughs> this is funny. I don't know. I wonder how echoey we really are. Um, Patrick Saunders and I used to do the the Rockies podcast from a literal broom closet. I feel like this is the next step for us. We'll be in a broom closet before <laughs> you know it. I would love to do it in a broom closet. I don't know if there are any around here, but if we can find one, that would be great. Um, AFC West. Yes. Are the Raiders and the Chiefs really as, as improved as people say? Yeah. I've heard this before. Yeah, I think they are. And I think it's going to be difficult for them to win a sixth straight AFC West round, but I still think they're going to get it. The Broncos. Yes. Um, there's my money prediction there for you. you. See, all I had to do was wait like 10 <laughs> minutes to nudge one out of you. Um, Nikki, we'll do this again very soon. Thanks for having me, Nick. Back on the First in Orange podcast, Nick Groke, the Denver Post, here with Cameron the Wolf Wolf, also of the Denver Post. Uh, Cameron, the Broncos, and Trevor Simeon, their brand new starting quarterback. Are they throwing this poor kid out there to get killed? Uh, it's not the ideal situation. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have my best enemies face Carolina in their first start. Uh, but that's just sort of what he's got. That's what the dealt card was dealt um, in his hand and. This Carolina defense, you know, they've been talking on the other side how they're not sure if this is a plus or a minus, not seeing game film. 
having a rookie quarterback is always a plus for defenses. They can show them exotic blitzes. They can show them different things. They can they can come for different ways, shows disguises. I think they're planning all these things to try to see if they can confuse him and get him to do some mistakes. And that really opens them up to get turnovers, which really was the key in the Super Bowl. The Broncos had four and the Panthers had two, and that ultimately swing, swung the pendulum towards the Denver's favor. Yeah, C.J. Anderson today um, said that he expects – he fully expects the Panthers to blitz early and often right at Trevor Simeon's head, yeah. basically. Um, he's going to get thrown to the fire. But, man, he's – man, if nothing else, because mm-hmm. I don't know – I mean, we can we can talk about Trevor Simeon. It's I, I, I don't know why I gravitate toward talk, saying, referring to him in his first name. Yeah. It just flows better. Whatever. Yeah, right. Trev. But <laughs> Trev. I, I call him young Trev. But – um. I don't know when you, nobody knows for sure. We can scout him from what we've seen, yeah, uh, and we will here in a second. But right. I don't know if nobody knows for sure what he'll do. But if nothing else, the dude is calm. He's yeah. very calm. Um, I wouldn't be calm staring yeah. at that Carolina defense, but he definitely is. I think that'll probably serve him well. Um, what What is something that you need to see from him right away? I think I think I need to see him get hit mm. and get up. That's, that's good, I, but I, you know, but that's way easier said than yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't have a 300 pound dude knocking me to the to the floor. So, I, I don't. What What are you looking from for from him right away in this opener? I think it's sort of what you're looking for the hit thing. But I want to see him stand in the pocket yeah. when he knows he's going to hit and deliver a really good right. intermediate pass to a receiver. It doesn't have to be a touchdown. It doesn't have to be anything super long. But I want to see him in that first drive, whether it goes for a touchdown or they end up punting, to stand in there, stick in there, because they're going to be coming, yeah. and stick to his guns and see an open receiver and hit him. That's going to be one thing to show that, hey, he's ready for this challenge. He didn't get that chance, really. Now, you know, not his, you know, you don't want to get, you don't want to get hit, but he didn't get that chance in the preseason that I remember. Paxton Lynch got one. Yeah. He knew he was about to get smothered by, right. by, by somebody. He knew it. Mm-hmm. He saw it coming. Right. He still delivered a great pass to Demarius right. um, down the right side. Uh did very well pass that test. Uh, Trevor didn't get really didn't really get that chance, but um, I suspect that he will in this game. Um, are they are the Broncos gonna want him to do a lot in this game? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think you. We'll get to the other side later and what they got to deal with Cam Newton. But you look at the other side and Carolina wants and and often needs Newton to be Superman, right. and he proudly takes on that label. Simeon doesn't have to be Superman. He doesn't even need to yeah. be do, need to be you know a, a Robin, right, <laughs> a Superman. Right, yeah, he really yeah. just needs to be a, a, a game manager in a sense. We talk about that role yeah. a lot, but I think if he comes out there and, and and doesn't make many mistakes, makes a few good throws here and there, and leads a team to a few scoring drives, and really leans on his running back C.J. Anderson and Devontae Booker, trusts his offense, put the ball in his playmakers' hands, Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. That I. I think he can let the talent of the offense really carry him. I, I think you've mentioned this before. Just he doesn't. He can be a guy. He can kind of yeah. fall into the background, yeah. and that's a rare situation for a quarterback. But I think he can do that, and I think the Broncos are best served for him to do that. Yeah. at least early. It's so strange that you to put it in those terms, but it's it's so true. Like he can just be a dude. Just mm-hmm. don't worry about 
you know, nobody, barely anybody knows who he is mm-hmm. around the country in the, you know, who follow football. And that's okay. If he, if still, if nobody knows his name in, in a month, mm-hmm. that'll mean that he didn't screw anything up bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and because, because he doesn't need to be spectacular. Right. Um, and yeah, the, the one thing that really caught my ear, uh, talking to Matt Paradis, the, the center, Broncos center. I asked him if if he because this was kind of where where I had my ears tuned kind of in the preseason was how other players reacted right. to Trevor Simeon. I asked Matt Paradis if if he was growing. It was like after the third preseason game. I asked him if if he was growing comfortable with with Trevor's cadence, and he said, "Oh no, no, no. we we had that down last year, mm-hmm. which is you know I guess I mean don't you know maybe we, uh, clearly it was me being stupid, but." I guess it really didn't dawn on me that as a third string quarterback, you could they could have enough time with him last year to grow comfortable. They right. but they really yeah. did. Yeah, no, exactly. And here's the thing. When we talk about quarterbacks in Denver, you know, whether he's here or not, we always talk about Peyton Manning. Because right. he's sort of the, the the fixture that makes everything go. And here's the thing about Peyton. Even for the quarterbacks behind him, for Trevor Simeon, for Brock, you had to know what you were doing. You had to be in control of the offense when you were in there because Peyton would let you know if you weren't. (laughs) And you didn't want to be the guy to disappoint Peyton. We we talked to Cody Latimer a few weeks ago, and he said he got nervous when he was playing playing with Peyton, and he was a receiver. These guys are in the quarterback room with him every day. So if you don't know where you're supposed to be, if you don't have your cadences right, if you don't have control of the huddle, there's no doubt that Peyton Peyton's gonna Peyton's gonna let you know, or he's gonna look at you, and you're gonna know that he knows that you don't know what you're doing, and that's not a great feeling you want from a Hall of Fame quarterback. No, right? Yeah, <laughs> normally he, the, you know, normally a quarterback would be afraid. A, you know, a young quarterback might be afraid of the veteran receiver not getting not getting his looks or whatever. Like, you know, like Emmanuel. Uh, Emmanuel was very honest about it. He's like, I just want a catchable pass. I don't <laughs> care who gives it to me. But you're right. Like. In an unusual circumstance, yeah, they were trying to please the guy who was ahead of them, Peyton Manning, because he will let them know. Uh, he, he did let them know when they were not on point last year. Even a third stringer, like, yeah. you know, what does Peyton Manning care about a third stringer? But he did. He really did. Yeah. Um, let's flip it to the other side. Um, you wrote about the, the, the Denver defense. Big rematch, um, specifically Vaughn Miller, but not but beyond him. Right. In a, in a very head-to-head rematch – with Cam Newton, um, best quarterback in the league last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't. I can't say that he. I can't. I, I don't know that he will even relinquish that title this year. I can't right. see yeah. how that might happen unless, um, uh, you know, unless one of the other bigger names really steps up this year. But they they have a long way to go to catch Cam Newton right at this point. Yeah. Um, I, and I even mean Tom Brady. I mean Aaron Rodgers. Right. I mean these are all great quarterbacks. Right. But they have to step their games up if they're going to to reach Cam Newton's level at this point. He was that good last year. Um, but how does the Denver defense approach him? Man, it's what's so strange about this guy. It's not you know it's not so strange, but um, you and I talked about this before. You in a Super Bowl, it's the final game of the season. It's for the Super Bowl. Right. It's for the tie. It's for the trophy. Yeah. You got to let it all out. Yeah. Like you don't hide anything. Yeah. But on the but here's where they're at now though. After they showed showed everything that they could mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl. They got to turn right around and play this team again. I know it was 7 months ago, but mm-hmm. um I don't can there be any surprises in this game? 
I, I think I think there can, especially from the Carolinas' perspective. The one thing about Denver's defense that I don't think people understand on a national basis, and they tell us often enough here locally, they're simple. Yeah. They don't hide anything. They don't, you know, you'll see from some different stunts and, and different uh, gap schemes and different drops from time to time. But more often than not, they're a, they're a, a, a schematic man team, yeah. um, and they come after you. They're a tack team. Um, so that that portion is going to be the same. They're going to come out come outside off the edge with their outside linebackers and try to hit the quarterback, and they're going to play tough man coverage and force you to throw the ball on them. And more often than not, you're not going to be successful. That's going to be the Broncos' defense. From the Carolinas' perspective, and I talked to a few Broncos defenders about this particularly, what else can they do? And Brandon Marshall said something great. He said, you know, there was nothing they did in the Super Bowl that they could really hang their hat on. Yeah. They couldn't throw. They couldn't pass. There's nothing you can say, hey, okay, we'll do more of this and we'll be effective. So I, I think they really have to go to the, the the box and say, hey, what can we pull out? And the things that I look at, they're a really deep-oriented team, um, and they really like to throw the ball deep, and they focus on their run game with Cam and Jonathan Stewart. They didn't do a lot of that early in the uh, in the Super Bowl, partially because Stewart got hurt in his right foot early. Um, but I think they're going to come out and try to run the ball really, really hard. Even if they struggle early, they're going to try to depend on that. And I expect a lot more short passes, yeah. um, trying to get the ball into their playmakers' hands, the Ted Ginns, the Philly Browns, the Kelvin Benjamins who are returning, um, because that negates a lot of that pass rush. You can't get yeah. bombed there if you're getting the ball out in one or two seconds. Right, yeah, exactly. That And that could grow very frustrating very quickly, very quickly um, if, if, it, if it gets – if it grows out of control. But uh, Vaughn Miller – Earlier this week, said something something interesting. He thought that that Carolina left some stuff on the table in that game, in that Super Bowl game. Yeah. Uh, a couple of missed gaps in the running game, a couple of misreads from Newton. Um, I don't know if that was gamesmanship. I think he was being honest. Um, but looking back, I don't remember something like you know super obvious that they missed an opportunity with. Right. The Denver defense was everywhere in that game. Holy crap! The the I mean they were get, you, like you said they were getting around the edge. Um, which is w- what they like to do, um, but they they seem to be kind of everywhere, and it really spiraled against Cam Newton um, in that game. I don't think it'll be like that in in the opener. I think it'll be, and I think you sort of just now got me to thinking about this mm-hmm. um, because, and I and I grew I just now grew to this idea because of how you phrased it that the. The Denver defense is so simple. They just they they're just they just rely on athleticism. I mean, they're they're not. It's not that they're running around wild, mm-hmm. uh, trying to be faster and stronger than everybody. But they 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 simplify things and they just let players play. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lar- in a large sense, it's kind of how Cam Newton plays. Also, I really I really starting to feel like this game, this opener, will be a really fun football game. Yeah, I think it might just come down to just like. Almost, you know, I, I hate to use this terminology, but it, like a backyard football game, just players I so. playing. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I, yeah, right. I mean, the more, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that the NFL attaches to the opening game on Thursday. Right. National TV, it's a Super Bowl rematch, et cetera, et cetera. It's a kickoff game. 
But once the game gets flowing, it could really be fun. I mean, the teams are really similar to last year. Yeah, they, they really are, and I think that's one thing that we talked about. You know, the Panthers more, and even the Broncos somewhat, are trying to make this not a rematch. Yeah. They're, trying to talk, they're trying to forget about the Super Bowl. They don't want this. The Broncos don't want any hangover thinking that they have it automatically because they won a Super Bowl. And the Panthers are trying to remove themselves as far away from the Super Bowl as they can. But truth be told, these teams are very similar, like you mentioned. I mean, 10 of the 11 starters for the yeah. Panthers' offense are the same. The only difference is adding Benjamin to the equation. Nine of the 11 Broncos' defenders are the same. Uh, Jared Crick from Lick Jackson and Todd Davis for Danny Trevathan. But they're, they're very similar to what they were last year. So that core matchup, looking at that, should be very similar. It's just going to be who's going to be more effective this time, what changes are going to be made, and can they truly uh, – you know, take care of the ball, first of all, which they weren't able to do last time, and protect their quarterback from getting killed. Yeah. Um, and I think that starts, and I think this is going to be the key of the game. Can they control up front? It's gonna, that's where everything is going to be controlled, and it's boring because everybody hates the, the trenches and nobody watches that way. Yeah. But I think that's how this game is really going to be won. And I'm really intrigued to see how this Broncos defensive line is going to handle their own because they're sort of in a, a state of transition. Obviously, Malik Jackson's gone, and they had a few injuries with Vance Walker there, and, and they're trying to hope that Jared Crick holds down the fort. Um, and they should be still pretty good. Um, but with Todd Davis in that front seven, they're two new front seven members. And if the Bron if the Panthers come out and have early effectiveness with the run game, for whatever reason, Jonathan Stewart pops off a few or, or Cam Newton takes off and gets a few runs, what changes do the Broncos make? Or, or can the Broncos' scheme sort of uh, adapt to that? Because uh, they really played to force Cam Newton to beat them either with their with his arm or with his legs. But what happens if another guy starts to beat you, yeah. like a Jonathan Stewart or something right. like that? What what adjustments can they make from there? Right. No. Right. It'll be very interesting. Um, you wrote a you wrote a very good story um, over the weekend. Um, we'll we'll have it. We'll put it. We'll check out Post Broncos on Twitter at Post Broncos. We'll make sure it gets back out there. But uh, you talked to. S to some Broncos about how they handle uh, social issues on social media. Yeah. Uh, some, you know, a lot of times <laughs> I've noticed this in a lot of sports. Sometimes you, you know, social media is a great way to get to know players uh, in a different kind of way. Um, a lot of times you you get to know them more than you want right. there. I've, I, you know, in, in, in some sports there, I'm like, man, I don't want to hear you talking about that. Um, it's usually dumb stuff that mm -hmm. they talk. I'm like, man, do I, your taste in movies is really bad. I don't right. want to know <laughs> that. And whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but in a, in a, in a newer way, it's, it's not necessarily new, but it's taken on a lot more significance lately, especially with Colin Kaepernick. But, um, I like to hear how players handle social issues. And I mean like the heavy, heavier things right. I don't I don't mean their favorite movies or whatever um, but how they how the how players are learning to navigate that world mm -hmm. um, is difficult and I don't I don't um, I don't envy with them and how they have to do with how they have to do it or if you know even if they choose to do it I like when they choose to have a voice right um, Everyone should have a voice. We're in the journalism business. Yeah. Our job is to give voices to other people. Right. Um, so I like when when they take a voice on their own. But there, some of the difficulties that they manage um, 
it's hard, man, especially yeah. um, especially in the NFL. Y- yeah. Uh, no. What What were some of the things that you kind of got uh, from from talking to some players about how they treat, especially Twitter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I think it goes beyond social media. I think this thing as a whole is just how you handle yourself on these sort of issues, particularly with the black athlete. Um, and I think that when you talk about social issues that have become rampant these days, um, based on uh, you know current events, whether it be uh, like we mentioned, Colin Kaepernick's um, uh, kneeling and sitting uh, during a national anthem um, and protests of of racial oppression and police brutality, these sort of things are. Are, are tough situations to talk about and it was hard for me to write the story um, but I felt like it was much needed and I had to tell the story from their perspective um, because there's a lot been a lot of stories on whether Colin Kaepernick's right or whether he's wrong or that sort of thing and you can have your opinion either way but I think ultimately you have to see where the athlete's coming from and if they do take the step out to, to make that jump and say their voice then we've got to sit here and listen and, you know, if they take that risk and take that jump, and it is a risk. And that's really what I wanted to focus on in the story. And that's what really the players were, were saying from, from DJ Williams to Russell Okung, from Brandon Marshall, TJ Ward. All these guys were really – and they were surprisingly open. This is something that, you know – is a topic that people usually don't like to talk about because they think it's borderline political. Um, but for them, this is something that is important to them, and they wanted to make sure it's clear. And I think for them, you know, the NFL particularly, it's a, it's a very tough uh, business, and uh, it's it's a it's an industry where players have to be really careful on what they say um, because uh, it's not necessarily they're told not to say, but it's sort of an implied uh, censorship sort of thing where you don't want to be a distraction. You don't want to be the guy where more intention on your locker stall is on what you're saying non-football-wise rather than what you're saying football-wise. Um, and I think a lot of players are afraid of that, even if they feel strongly yeah. on a particular topic. Um and I think there a lot of players have to debate with themselves. How can I go about this? You know, there I I know for a fact players have told me um, just between me and them conversations that they felt very as strongly as Kaepernick did on a lot of these issues that are coming up, whether it's police brutality or racial oppression. But they just didn't feel like they 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 were able to go there, go where he did. And not saying they would have did that particular step, yeah. but. They've used their voice in different ways, um, and you got to realize that a lot of people say that, hey, maybe these issues don't affect athletes because they they make a million dollars or they don't live in these sort of inner cities or so these sort of things. But they're, you know, particularly the black athletes, they still have to go home and they still have families and friends and 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 communities that they grew up in and and people and and as a whole, your people. So you know these things are going on, and you sort of feel a responsibility as the guy who maybe came out of those areas to feel like, hey, I'm going to be the guy that stands up for people even though it doesn't directly affect me. So I think people think, and you hear it all the time, you know, how is this person oppressed? He makes $40 million and he does all this different stuff. It's not particularly that person. But just because he's not oppressed doesn't mean he can't speak out about oppression as a whole. And I think that's what we lack as a community. We we really try to find excuses uh, rather than looking at the issue as a whole. And you you mentioned this, but the thing that really stood out, one of the things that really stood out for me in that that article, um, Brandon Marshall, um, everybody you talked to was really honest, but Brandon Marshall said, he said that as an NFL player, uh, that he has, he ha- he feels like he has less of a voice um, than maybe players in other leagues. At first, it struck me as, well, that's 
that's crazy because this is NFL. The NFL is king. Everybody's right. looking at an NFL. But what he meant was, and you mm-hmm. just mentioned, I think what he meant was, and you just mentioned this, f- for whatever reason, I think some of it has to do with the game itself, how, mm-hmm. how the game is handled from, from the you know, youth leagues all the way up to the NFL. But especially in the NFL, you're, you're sort of coached to fall into line. You're, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's to me less surprising to hear Carmelo Anthony speak out about political issues um, than it is Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, I don't know how to say it exactly, but just how, the, how games work, how sports work, how a sport works, a right. game works philosophically. You sort of just have more. You, an, an NBA player has sort of more of a voice. He's one of five on the on the court all, right. all the time. You 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 have more of a voice in your game, so naturally you might have more of a voice outside it. Right. In the NFL, you're one of twenty-two. You fall in line. You're expected to do what you're told. That's why I I was more surprised and more more to me more pleasantly surprised to see it come from a Colin Kaepernick especially a quarterback right. yes um, because whether or not you like you said whether or not you believe whether or not you agree with what he says I, I can really appreciate that he stood up to say it because there is a lot more at risk for him in saying it than maybe not to discount yeah, not this kind of Carmelo Anthony, right, Anthony right. or whoever, yeah, but no, 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 you're right. It's a big step. That's a, it's a big, it's, it's a big risk. It's, it's huge, and I think the thing that that you really touched on, and it's, it, it starts at the core beyond social issues. It starts at the core at the top with the NFL. When you look at the NBA, they allow their players more expression right. and more freedoms um, to be themselves and to show themselves outside of what the brand wants them to do. Obviously, they've sort of handled back. I remember back. In the day we had Allen Iverson show up and to his MVP speech with a T-shirt and a chain on, and that's when they thought, hey, "All right, we might we might have went a little too far with the freedom of expression." But the NFL is is really strict on these things. You get to the point where guys are fined for uniform violations. I remember T.J. Ward was fined for not having a shirt tucked in last year, and he got got upset about that. And and guys are just they're expected to stay in line and exactly how the NFL wants them to be formed. Um, so that means not stepping out and and and. To outside the norm and expressing some opinion that might fluctuate from from side to side. I think a, a key quote I talked to one of the doctors who used to be a, a, a University of Colorado psychologist, um, and he was there in Bill McCartney's reign uh, when they had a lot of racial issues at, at, at CU Boulder, um, and he said that you know he felt like it starts with the coaches and, right. and the league executives and the people up top because you know the NFL and a lot of people they 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 like to be on the neutral. They like to say, hey, we're going to please everybody by not saying anything, keeping everybody as neutral. But what they don't see as neutral and silence as a whole is means that you're okay with status quo. And uh, I think you get in the atmosphere where you're okay with that, then you're telling people that this is okay. Um, and I hear a lot of people, particularly with Kaepernick, saying that why is he just saying these things? Why is he doing these things? Like, Why does he feel like he needs to say this or, or act like this? But here's the thing. 
at least particularly from the athletes I've talked to and knowing some people in the black community that they feel like these issues are issues that a lot of people don't think are issues. Mm -hmm. There are still people that believe that the police brutality is a myth. They think that every incident that particularly happens, the victim was at fault and there's no sort of thing and there's no sort of accountability. We're easy to pick sides. You want to pick either we're on the police side or we're on, you know, Black Lives Matter side or whatever. And I don't think we as a society should be black and white on those sort of things. And I think that's really where a lot of the disagreement comes across and a lot of the the hate comes across because you immediately see somebody take this stance and you say he's against racial oppression that means that he's against police yeah. Th that shouldn't be a correlation if you're against police brutality you're against bad police yeah. who do this that doesn't mean you're against all police and I think that's a sort of misnomer that we get into and that's what sort of hurts these athletes because they take a stance like this and they get criticized and, and it's a lot of times unrightly criticized not particularly in Kaepernick but as a whole because a lot of people have their own agendas and if we don't really sit back and listen to these athletes and that discourages the next athlete from speaking up because they see this backlash and I was trying to debate with a few friends and whether Kaepernick's stance would increase or decrease the likelihood for other yeah. athletes to, to step up and I still really don't have an answer because yeah. you look at the backlash Kaepernick got no athlete's going to willingly yeah. volunteer to get that sort of backlash um, but then you've also seen a couple athletes step up and say I agree with Kaepernick right. and I'll, I'll kneel or, or sit beside him um, and we saw recently USA women's soccer player yeah. kneel in front of her game as well so I think this sort of thing will trickle and I think that once people feel like it's more acceptable and I think it helped that Kaepernick gave a million dollars to the cause and people thought okay now we see that he's doing something um, but I, I think this is an issue that will, is not going away and I know it's something that, that really affects people in the NFL and the Broncos locker room they talk about this all the time yeah. these social issues, these racial issues Kaepernick and this is something that they feel like it, it, it is something that affects them directly. Um, and that's why I felt like it was important to tell it. Well, just not to prolong this too much, but the, th the thing that most frustrated me um, in the last two weeks w with the reaction to Colin Kaepernick was for, for whatever reason, I mean, I think the reasons are obvious, but we fall, in, we fall into this habit in this country of immediately placing discussions on, on a on a spectrum from red to blue or whatever it is when this has nothing to do with any of that but right. because we're in an election season a presidential election cycle right now it's like everybody just immediately wanted to assume that it was it was for a candidate or or the other or a side to another it really wasn't it right. was completely outside that entirely and that's why i really you know whether or not this fades away or or grows more whatever it is I, I, I just I, I feel like um, it, it, it already has won in the regard that it started a conversation in this country. And it might have been a, a, a completely frustrating conversation. Yeah. It might have no, people might have grown to dislike the conversation, but it was a conversation. And it gets back to the, it gets back to the very basics of just having a voice, a voice in this country. Yeah. whether or not you're an NFL quarterback or not. I think, I think that's huge, and we'll close on this shortly. But I think 
the conversation piece that you mentioned is so important and I don't think people realize the value of starting that conversation and what those sort of things sparks in the community um, and those sort of things that when it when it's an active conversation whether it's debate whether it's uh, support whether it's anger it's those sort of things and I know Obama just spoke out on it and said that he supported Kaepernick's right to, to speak out and, and, and right. we talk about rights and we talk about the ability to speak if we shush a completely a group of people or say that hey these are not these are taboo topics yeah. that we can't talk about we don't grow in those areas and those right. issues don't go away and if we're a growing community and we want to have change conversation is the first step right. and we have to be able to listen to all sides from things that we may d disagree on and we have to figure out as a community if this is something that needs to be changed and I feel like that's something that we would all agree we wouldn't want to see I think for the most part um, how can we do this right. and maybe Kaepernick didn't have the best way to go about it maybe maybe not you know who knows maybe I, I think with Kaepernick he had to figure out what was the best way to get the attention and get the conversation going and who knows if he would have had this same conversation if he would have just stood at the podium or stood in front of his locker and said exactly what he said. Right. Somebody somebody might have brushed it away and said, oh, whatever. But once he kneeled, it created outrage, yeah. but but we had got to listen to what he had to say. Right. Um, so I think that thing, uh, the conversation piece, is really important, and I'll be intrigued to see how we grow on it the next few weeks. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's not the end of it. Uh, fortunately, I think that's a good thing. Like you said, um, back to the Broncos real fast. Mm -hmm. Um, the over-under for them this season started, I think, at 8.5. It's now 9.5 yeah. for win total. Um, what do you take, over or under 9.5 wins? I think I'm going to go slightly over. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough for them to reach the pinnacles they did last season. Not that I'm ruling them out because I would never doubt this team because uh, they've shown time and time again that they can uh, rise above expectations and, and defy uh, what may seem like tough odds. Um, but I think that this team um, it's going to be really tough for them to win the same way they did last year with a lot of defensive plays and late games. And if they depend on that again this year, then, you know, I'd say that, hey, one or two might bounce the other way. Um, I think we're looking at a 10, maybe 11 win team. Um, I think uh, I think if I had to choose, I'd go 10 and six. Um, and I think that this is a team that will compete and I think they will win their sixth straight division title. Uh, and then you never know what happens when you get into the playoffs. Yeah, no, right, yeah. Maybe, maybe well, I picked them to go 12 and four. It's probably the upper end okay. of possibility. Yeah. But um, I mean, the, the key for the Broncos last season was the Patriots really like caving. Yeah. On not wanting, you know, kind of essentially giving up home field advantage in the playoffs. That's true. Um, so you you need those kind of bounces that are out of your control. It's just, man, I think this Broncos team is better than last year. I think this Broncos team is uh, is is stronger defensively. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really an important key. And people say, how can you be stronger than this defensive yeah. team that you had last year? But I think if just watching them in practice, um, that secondary is going to be really, really impressive. Um, and I think that you're going to see a lot more from the pass rushers. I think the key is going to be the reserve pass rushers. Yeah. I think Shane Ray could have 10 sacks this, this year. Yeah. I think Shaquille Barrett could have 10 sacks this year. And I think Vaughn could have 15 or 20 sacks this yeah. year. And, and Ware could have another 10, and you're looking 50 
league for just your outside right. linebackers, right. not counting your defensive linemen, your inside linebackers, your safeties. Yeah. And I think they had what upper lower 50s last year. So you're looking at a team in sacks are huge and, and turnovers obviously as well. So if they're better or are at the same level defensively, offense defensively, then it's it's going to be hard for them to be worse offensively. Yeah. Um, ultimately, they're going to have the target on their back a lot this season, and that's going to be tough. They're gonna, you're going to get a team's A game every week because they want to beat the world champions. Um, and I think we'll really learn a lot about this Broncos team these first three weeks yeah, yeah. Um, that you see. They got Carolina, Indianapolis, and at Cincinnati. If they can come out of that with a winning record against three teams that are probably playoff teams, um, then we say that, hey, this this team is going to be a Super Bowl contender again. I, and, I mean, we hear a lot about how the Raiders and the Chiefs are improved. I've heard that before. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. They, they on, have a, paper, they, on paper, it's easy to say, right. but you got to do it on the field. Right, right. Cameron, thank you. Thank you, Nick. Nick OG. <laughs> <laughs>